Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan. And man, we're so glad to keep this season three rocking. Things are going great with the Breaking Down Bits feedback mic on almost every Tuesday. We get to do that. You can hop in to do a few minutes, get some great feedback from comics all around the nation and the world. If you want to get in on that, Breaking Down Bits at gmail.com. Uh, would love to have you come and join. Yeah, we're, we're there Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. We've been doing it every week consistently. And uh, everybody who's been on has been so great. I, I know it's helped me grow as a comic. And that's really what we're all about. Drew, we don't take enough time to, to mention what we're doing here. If you're if you're in comedy, if you're new to comedy, if you're experienced in comedy, if you're thinking about getting to comedy, that you've come to the right place. We are newer comics. I just had my two-year anniversary. I know Drew just had his. So we're not joke experts, but we bring in joke experts, pro comics, uh, people that have been doing it for a long time, and we're here to learn alongside you. So thank you for joining us. But uh, but yeah, join our, our mic, email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com, and we'll get you up. Uh, we also have a number of episodes, a great catalog building of, of, of episodes that we've recorded. Breakingdownbits.com is where you can get to all of those. Our most recent with Graham K. Good time to get into callbacks. What you got, Drew? Yeah, I, this another guy that has mentioned something that I've been kind of trying to work into my writing, which is just riffing with friends and how important that is. Like I found a couple of people that I've been riffing with lately, whether it's a FaceTime thing or, or, a, or a hangout or sometimes with people who aren't even comics, just <clears throat> riffing an idea, kind of going back and forth. And I have found so many great tags that way. I've stumbled on to fun things that I might not have might not have ever got to if I was just pen to paper. And Graham was another guy who mentioned that as part of his writing strategy. I can't um, vouch for that enough. It's been a really fun way to to kind of like, I don't know, just get out of your head and do something a little different. Yeah, great call out too. Not not necessarily even just comics. Uh, just get out and talk to people. Everybody's getting vaxxed up. Like, go be social again, man. And you never know where you're going to find that that tag, that joke idea. Uh, so great one, uh, great callback. Mine is um, always usually more industry. Yours is always more writing, and I think that's that's kind of true with with who we are as comedians. Uh, but that was just that dude had the grit, like just the. Stick with itness to, you know, originally came here as an illegal alien and, and then did New York and, and did it almost to the top until it stunted his growth. He wasn't able to get that. I think it was a Conan uh, uh, audition because he wasn't a citizen. Went back to Canada, started over again, had to like work through to get his like his visa, like this performance visa. And just the things that he rattled off that he had to do, he had to get paid a certain amount. He had to win competitions. He had to get these credits. He, I mean, wild and then got to LA and then that started there and then moved to New York. And like, it just goes to show you, like, if you're like a newer comic and you're like, well, I got to do these mics every night and like stay late and like get bumped and eat shit. And the, you know, like, dude, hey, look at his story and like be inspired by how much effort he put it. So how much do you want it? I think Graham K proved exactly that in that interview. So you'll, you'll find it on breaking down where you can find all of our interviews and 
Check us out. Also, I always forget to do this too, Drew. Follow us on social media at Breaking Down Bits. Unless you're on Twitter, it's Breaking Down Bit. One single bit, 50 characters. Breaking down that one bit. That's it. Uh, ready to break down some bits with our guest? Yeah, let's get into it. Jerry Garcia won his first comedy competition when he was named Best Comedian in the San Diego Comedy Festival and quickly also won LA's Funniest Comic Contest Headliner Division. He's been featured on various television shows such as HBO Latino, Laughs, Bite Size TV, and Stand Up and Deliver. He was also a featured member on Paul Rodriguez's Latin Kings of Comedy Tour. Jerry made his Netflix debut as he co-starred in Chingo Bling's They Can't Deport Us All and recently released his special, It's Not My Weekend, on HBO. Uh, Jerry Garcia, how are you, man? What's up, dog? How you guys doing? Good morning, everybody. Good Friday, y'all. What's up? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Glad to have you on the on the podcast. You know, Chingo Bling, local yes, Houston guy. And yes, sir. I love love that you are, were part of that that special. A very interesting, like co uh, co headline special with Chingo. And uh, I remember watching that one. It's it's so good. So thanks for thanks for taking some time out today with us. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it was really literally a four headed monster, man. It was Chingo Bling, obviously, uh, and uh, three. He brought us. To, he brought three of us to feature that day, and uh, it, it was amazing, man. It's a it's a long story, man, but it, it made it happen. Dude. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you make it to Houston uh, very often? Is that is that a common stop on your on your trails? Yeah, I planned to before twenty twenty. Yes, it was at least once a year uh, going out Pasadena, Texas. Is I hear that's by by, by Houston. Yeah. Uh, I'll be out there. I'll be out there in April, as a matter of fact. No, in May. I'm sorry, May. I'll be out there in May. Oh, awesome. Um, but yeah, I try to make it to Houston. Improv is usually the club that I work out. Uh, Pasadena, Texas, is gonna be my first time going there in May. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole Texas run is a, a, a part of me, uh, and I try to make it out there at least twice a year, at least minimum. I, I will caution you, Jerry. Get Pasadena, California, out of your head. Uh, when you visit Pasadena, Texas, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I can imagine. I can imagine it's gonna be a lot different. Uh, Pasadena, Pasadena, California is uh, it's no beautiful little wildflower out here. Uh, it's not that. It's not. Uh, but but we're, we're happy you're coming back to Metro Houston, and we'll have to catch up again. We we caught you last time you were here, uh, working the Improv, which is a, a great sure. great club here. So you've done a little bit of road. You've been able to manage to do some some road work. Uh, get the hell out of L.A. Uh, where where there's obviously not a lot of work uh, right now. Uh, but one of the things we'd like to, to do, Jerry, is just understand your career. You know, in the in the intro, we talked about comedy contests and, and, and ascending through and winning those and then getting some breaks. And we just we like to hear your story and framed in such a way that people can um, uh, if people are starting out can can be inspired by some of the things yeah. that happened to you along the way. Yeah, this, this is a dope concept, man. I wish I had something like this when I was starting off, man, because I was, I was lost, man. I was a lost duck, bro. So uh, uh, I, and I started late in my life, man. I'm, I'm 41 years old now, dog. I just, I just turned 41 in February. And uh, I started when I was 29 years old, man. I started back in 2009, bro, and uh, uh, late 2009. It was like October. I remember it was during the fall season. Uh, I remember uh, Halloween was coming up, and uh, I just kept pushing back. The comedy game forever, dude. I've always, I knew I wanted to be a comedian since I was a teenager, man. Uh, I, you know, I did the old, I won the funniest kid in school, in the yearbook, in middle school, and in high school. And I was, when I was in my 20s, I was just like goofball, making everybody laugh, on my, all my friends laugh. And I would tell everyone, I'm going to be a comedian, bro. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a stand-up. I'm going to go into stand-up. I'm going to go. 
I said this, this might, I said the same story for like 10 years. A lot of people got tired of hearing it, dog. You know, every girlfriend I had, every friend I had was like, fool, just shut up and do it. Dog. When are you going to do it? <laughs> oh, I'm just getting ready. No, you got to write. You can't just go up there and freestyle. I got to, I got to prepare myself, you know, or I don't have that time for it. I'm working two jobs right now. Dog. There's no time. It was every excuse in the book I had, fool. But in the meantime, I was making every coworker, every supervisor, every boss I had laugh their ass off. That was my thing. That was my way to make friends. That was my way to, that's how I met girls. That's how I got laid, basically, bro. And, <laughs> and uh, that was my life, dude, just making people laugh. And, and eventually, my friends, honestly, I have maybe like three or four friends. So I still talk to, obviously, they're older now. But they're the ones that kept pushing me, like, yo, when, when are you going to make this happen, dude? And, and one of them actually literally signed me up into a uh, amateur night. Uh, it was a contest. And he signed me up in North Hollywood, Haha ha Comedy Club at the Haha ha Comedy Club in North Hollywood. And he just called me up one day like, yo, man, I just signed you up to be the, to this amateur. It's like right around the street from my house, man. I saw the sign and I just, I, I called him and I told him to put down Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia will be there type of thing. And uh, I was nervous as shit. I almost shit my pants. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I gave him my word. I gave him my word. I'll be there. And I went and uh, it was, uh, it was really bad. <laughs> it was really, really bad. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, but, no, I think me bombing so bad and doing so bad, I think is what made, made me want to do it again because I knew that I was better than that. It's like, it's like one of those like, yo, no, 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 no. I'm better. Guys, you don't understand. Like I left, I got upstairs saying, no, guys, wait, I'm better than this. Trust me. Like I know, I, I know I'm better than this. And um, obviously not saying it out loud, but in my head, I was like, no, 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 no. This is now I'm going to end my career here. Like I, I'm better than this. I know I don't have the stage right. I know I'm ready. I know I'm funny. I know I did really bad right now. I got I got no laughs. Let's figure out where I where, what I did wrong, kind of shit, right? So like, I got to figure out what I did wrong, and we'll, we'll go from there. But um, that night was a, a, a was an amazing night. Very very uh, uh man, I, it, 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 yeah, it, it was very embarrassing. It was a very embarrassing night. But I went home wanting to do it again. Humbling. That's yeah, a that's very a fun, that's a fun trait I think that you hear a lot from successful comics is. There and, and to me, maybe the most fun part of comedy sometimes is failing, and then instead of being depressed and wanting to quit, you go, "Oh no, I've got to do better." And yeah, this you get addicted to it, and then you're like, yeah. "I gotta, I gotta keep working." Well, my ego is hurt. I think what happened is my ego, obviously, right? Your ego got punched in the gut. I'm 29 also, so I'm a little older, a little bit more mature. And, and I, at the end of the day, I, I know it's not the people's fault. It's not everybody's fault. I know I wasn't prepared. Um, so it was one of those things like, wait, if I prepare myself, maybe I could do better. I, I, I don't know. Maybe because being 29, it kind of helped me kind of just like, if I, if I feel like if I was 21, I'd be like, fuck these people, fuck this place, <laughs> fuck everybody here. Dog. I'm done. You don't need me. I don't need you. Like, but no, at 29, I got off the stage like really, really humble. To get to a place where you felt like you were, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. My computer glitched there for a second. Uh, how long did it take you to get to a place where you like were feeling comfortable and like, okay, now I'm starting to get laughs? Like, how how long until you were like, this is kind of working? Uh, not to brag, but not 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 uh, not that far into it, bro. Within within a few months, man, maybe three, to be honest with you. And the reason for that is because I went gun ho, bro. 
Like I after that day, I started hitting the mic at least three, four, five times a week as as often as I could. And I started embracing and soaking everybody in and I was picking everybody's brains and I was making friends with all the comics, dude. And again, being me being older and obviously I've been a nobody, people weren't people were happy to help. At least I love at least the guys that I ran into. Um, I will just ask a ton of questions, bro. And uh, what's your writing process like? And what do you do if you, you're not doing good? Or what about anyway? I'm making questions and just watching a bunch of comics go up, and I'm writing, and I'm oh, I'm, I started to figure out like, well, what is it that makes people laugh at that time, right? At that time, well, what can I talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, with, with, before I knew it, within three months, man, I had a good little five, sharp five minutes, man. I had a sharp little five minutes that were working every time. I had like I wrote like three little cool little clever jokes that people liked and I just kept doing those same three little bits over and over and over until I started uh, manifesting more material. But at, at, to, to, to tell you the truth, within the first three three months, man, I had a good little five, seven minutes build up. And But I had a lot of people helping me, dude. A lot of people would help me. They would give me uh, uh, little, little uh, pointers and stuff like that. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's where this show was born. Basically, what Drew and I discovered was once the pandemic hit, we weren't able to be in the green room anymore with the comics that were further ahead. And we weren't able to ask those questions and get those pointers that you were talking about. And so we're like, well, we can't get it. Nobody can get it. Let's put this out there and let's 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 line up these interviews so we can still at least get that content so that when things do come back, we're, we're more prepared. Yeah, this helps a lot. I, I mean, I really enjoy when people pick my brain at shows, bro. Uh, for what, just to have a, just a, even a casual conversation about comedy, it doesn't have to be intense or, or very educational. I don't have all the answers yet, man. I, you know, there's still things that I'm still figuring out here and there on stage. Like, I want to be, I want to do better at crowd work. Um, crowd work is something that, that gets me out of my comfort zone. You know, I'm a joke writer, dog, so I stick to the jokes. I stick to my material. I stick to know what to what I know works. But at the end of the day, I, I also, as I'm doing 45 minutes to an hour now, I have to do crowd work. You know, I have to mix it up. Uh, and crowd work, again, it's not my comfort zone. I'll do it as a survival tool, but not as uh, I want to do it to. Does that, that make any sense? You know, so so, so I, I start to do is pick people's brains who do a lot of crowd work. Mm-hmm. And I'll start messing with like I, I just like having conversations with them like, why did you mess with that person? Why did you go there? What made you go there? What blah blah, blah. and then just how their brain thinks when they're on stage type of stuff, you know? That's something I'm still kind of figuring out. Yeah. So what so what happened next in your in your trajectory towards where you are now? 3 months in, you have your 5 minutes, you're doing the mics. What happens next? I again, I, I cut a lot of breaks, man, to be honest with you. Even today I'm still catching breaks, man, but I got I cut a lot of breaks, but you take advantage of those breaks, man. Uh within my 3 to 6 months in the game, I ran into a few national headliners there at those comedy clubs uh, at the time. We're talking about 12 years ago. So these guys are, uh, they're not doing it as much as they were back then, but they were really hot. They were, they're comics who were really hot in the 90s and early 2000s, who are now not as popular anymore, but they were, they were pretty good names. They had Showtime specials at the time and, and HBO specials here, Comedy Central specials at, at, in, in, those, in those times. Um, guys like Jeff Garcia, uh, Willie Barcena, um, uh, Johnny Sanchez, who was on Matt TV. Uh, so these guys, like, again, these are national. They're older now, you know. But at the time, they were hot, you know. And, and then, so I got really fortunate enough that where they would take me on the road with them. Uh-huh. So they would, I would go on the road. I was literally the either the host or the guest spot guy. And I would drive. And I would just, you know, maybe not exactly carry bags and stuff like that because I, I was 30 years old almost at the time. But uh, I was literally just learning like an intern with them. And I got really lucky, to be honest with you, man. Um, they would do that for me. They would take me. I, I 
within my first year in comedy, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was in Sacramento, California. I went to Denver, Colorado, El Paso, Texas. All within my first year, year and a half in comedy. Again, only doing seven minutes, man. I was not trying to stretch into 10 because I knew I couldn't get there. So it's not that I was killing it on stage, but I was really finding my 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 little my my niche. But they saw something. They must have saw something in you. I, I mean, I, you can't attribute it all to luck, right? You had your five minutes. It was it was fairly good, or at least at the time you thought it was. And yeah. Uh, so you know, it's not just luck. It's also being in the right place. It's asking the right questions, not being annoying and weird. Yeah. Uh, so you must have done something to to gain their their. You know, they want to help helped you out. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, agree, dog. Uh, I was never the the, the the annoying cat. I was a friend, a good guy, a guy they can trust. Again, older, mature, asking the right questions, staying out of the way, just being a fly on the wall, just being spoken to when, when they speak to me type of thing. But at the end of the day, I think friendships kind of grew a little. Like, hey, everyone would just – when you're a good guy and you're a good person, they, the word gets out, like, hey, this guy's a good guy. This guy's cool, man. It's, I like this guy. I like this kid. This kid's good. These guys going places, and then they see me on stage and actually get laughs or or, or do fairly well. They want to hang around with you even a little bit more. You know, they don't want to be hanging around the guy who goes out there and stinks it up and bombs it up every time. But so when they see us, they'll they'll come up to me like, "Hey, that bit you did, that was pretty funny, man. About, the, about your boss, man, that was pretty funny, dude. This and that, and and although they give me a tagline or something, and oh, you should try this next time or say it this way or blah blah and. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, they they help, they help, and, and before I know it, they're like, "Hey, what are you doing next weekend, man? You want to go to Phoenix?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> because uh, there's no pay, bro. But if you're down to come, man, you know what I mean? I'll you know I'll buy you some dinner and stuff. You can crash with me. Like, Fuck yeah, let's do it, dog. Grown ass man going on the road and shit like that. And yeah, I learned a lot. To be honest with you, man. When you were in that stage in that year, and you're starting to do those, are you still working full time elsewhere? Or I was. How you doing that? Yeah. I was I just trying to juggle it, man. Just trying to juggle it. And again, man, it's crazy, dude. But you know, my the my job at the time, I was again, I was like the class clown of my job, dude. I was making everyone at my job. So my boss was really cool with me. My boss was like, pursue your dream, man. Follow it. You're funny. You got something, dude. You make you I would I would before being a comedian, dude, I would write speeches for my boss to present to the board of directors and I would give them like little jokes. Dude, I did a roast one time. I roasted one of our directors. We roasted a director and I wrote pretty much all the jokes, man. And uh, this is before, this is when I was like 25, 26 years old. Um, so I knew I couldn't write. I knew, I knew what comedy was. I knew what it, what it is. So, um, yeah, my boss would come to me like, Hey, man, I'm doing a speech. You might give me like an opening joke or a little something. Dude. And I would just write them a little something about the weather or about the, Something, some current event, and just yeah. give them a little tagline on it. It's Man. crazy. So, so anyway, they gave me the they gave me the green light. Most of it was weekends anyway. I was I was nine to five Monday through Friday. So if anything, I was just taking Fridays off yeah. at the time. Um, yeah, we would leave Friday morning, either drive to Sacramento or drive to to Arizona or drive to San Diego. You know, three, four, five hour drives. Man, it's not too bad. Yeah. So what? So what next? You start you start doing these. When do you start getting into some more time and, and these next breaks start happening for you? Yeah, so I caught uh, – Jeff Garcia was a guy who I, I – he we became very close. He's a national headliner at the time. We became very close, and I, I just be, – I became his go-to guy. So I was a go-to guy. I, I started as a host. Before I knew it, within my second year in comedy, I was a full-time feature act. So I was I got up to 15, 20 minutes 
you know, at the time, still struggling to get to my 20 minutes, but I was getting there. Uh, when we, I, and this whole time, I'm writing, 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 but obviously a lot of jokes are not working or not doing so well. So I was, it was always a work in progress. But before, like, before, around year two or two and a half, I had my 15 minutes, 20 minutes by that time, and I was featuring for him. It was very exciting, very nerve-wracking. Um, and then, uh, but, yeah, I, 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 when I got to 15, 20 minutes, I, I had no idea, how am I ever going to get to an hour? Dog? Like, I, this is all I got. I just shot my load right here, bro, on my 20 minutes. <laughs> this is it for me, dog. How do people get to an hour? It was a, such an amazing concept to me, dog. But yeah. it, it comes with, it comes, dog. You know, it, it, like you guys were talking earlier in your opening, um, nine it's just being around people just the talking making friendships you know you all this material comes out of it like living life just living life but that by that time i've got kids man so by that time my kids are growing up they're four five six seven eight by the time you know it and there's just more and more material from them you know yeah, and then i have the baby's mamas and then talk about them talk about family talk about friends talk about all the other shit that's going on in my life and uh, everything all builds up man there's material everywhere, dog. Material <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I find yeah. that I, I find that I'm less and less, and maybe it's not a great thing, but I'm less and less sitting down and like scheduling out an hour to write, and I'm more and more just constantly taking little notes and snapshots and ideas, and then coming back and sitting and running through them later. Uh, at this phase yeah. in my in my comedy journey, I like that. No, I like that. I, for me, yeah, sitting down and writing is very difficult for me too. Uh, unless it's a specific project that I'm working on, like maybe like a roast battle or something like that, or just something specific that I want to write about. But other than that, no, I can't just sit down and be like, let me see, what, what, what's what's funny to me? Uh, 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 avocados, 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 mountain bikes, mountain bikes, mountain bikes. And then, uh, that's, that's not how I work. My process things that, Things that I hear, things that I see, my kids do, I do, things that get me upset. Why do I get upset about that? And I'll just write it. I'll just jot it down on my phone. And uh, these are my notes on my iPhone. Right? Let me see if I could focus in. I don't know if I could focus in. But these are all the, you know, iPhone notes. Yeah, 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 same, same. Tons, bro. Tons. Like all day just writing stuff down. Write it down, jot it, you know. Uh, everything, dog. You just write it down and, and I get back to it if, it if I think it's worth it. So we've, we've kind of already made the transition into writing, which is good. It's about that time. So we, we got an idea of where, where this starts. Now, then how do you you turn this into material? So you get these notes. Now, walk us through your writing process from there. Um, for me, it's on stage. Dog. I, I'll spit it on on stage, man. And to be honest with you, I've, I've worked both ways. I work backwards within like punchline and then back to the setup. Or sometimes I just have the setup and I work my way to the punchline. Right. So I've done both both routes. But sometimes it's just spitting it out, man. Um, for example, uh, let me see if I can find something here. Uh, so, like, for example, my uh, breakups are tough, right? So, breakups are tough. That's a setup, right? So, what is funny about a breakup? So, like, for example, this is something I haven't tried yet on stage, but I don't even know if it's hacky. It's something I just think thought about. So, But I was like, uh, breakups are tough. I hate breaking up. Breakups... You go, I, breakups are tough for me. Um, like I broke up with my girlfriend three weeks ago and she doesn't even know it yet. So <laughs> I have to figure, you know, it's going to be awkward because her birthday's coming up. And when I bring a date, you know, <laughs> dinner. Yeah. and so those are like, no, no. So I go, I bounce back and forth to see what, what, and I'll say that on stage 
as a matter of fact type of thing, or I'll say it as a bit, kind of get a reaction, kind of see what people liked about it, what, and then where people maybe laughed or didn't laugh, and then I'll bring it back to the board. Okay, all right, that was cool. You know, I'll bring that back. Yeah. Uh, when you said that, uh, it, it, the funny part to me is like you don't have like the emotional uh, courage to like break up with her, but you've already broke up with her in your head. So you've yeah. moved on. And so being in that space is a great premise. And then, yeah. uh, you know, what you just did there is like, and this, I imagine you do this with, with, with friends and, and people that maybe you're on the road with, you just throw that out there and then workshop yes. it and, and see what comes out of it. So that's great. Yes, 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 yes. I like that. Thank God for good friends who will put up with comedians just constantly banging material off them. And yeah. just, and sometimes I'll sit down with my friends and be like, hey, guys, I'm working on a couple jokes. Or I'll call someone about, out of the blue and just be like, hey, I got to tell you this. What do you think? And just like magic sometimes happens out of that. And just praise God for those people who can yeah. put up with that and will bounce back, even if they're not comics. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do your, I, with my kids too i test a lot of material with my kids. I, was, I was just gonna ask you yeah that's a good test too they're right harder on me dog. they don't like they don't like they're 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 13 and 14 now they, they think they're too cool dog. the older well, ones well the idea there is like you know audiences as a whole aren't you you have to treat them like they're dumb i'm not saying they are dumb but you have to treat them like they're dumb just to make sure it's clear spoon, food, spoon feed them yeah. Right. yeah. And so a good test for that is to, to run it by a, a, a yeah. fifth grader. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to set, um, when it comes to preparing for a, a specific show, what do you do to prepare? So you got a big gig coming up. What do you do to prepare in the maybe weeks and days before? And what do you do those last minutes before you step on stage? Okay. As far as weeks and days, I try and get us to up as many mics as possible. Obviously it's been tough lately, but uh, that's usually been my mantra to get up as many shows as I can. That's when I will pop into those one shows, bar shows and any little uh, produ independently produced shows. I'll just pop in and ask for a few minutes uh, just to stay sharp. It's not even that I'm working the actual material, but it's just to stay sharp and on my feet, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then to work out the tweaks on some of the bits that I'm not too confident about, right? Uh, and I'll try to get those out there. But also to build confidence, man, just to do my old material, even if it's my old material, and just to build some confidence and and mm -hmm. that, right? Uh, just build confidence, build, like going to the gym, right? Before, as soon as, uh, minutes before I go on stage, let's say, for example, like the, my special and all that, Man, uh, yeah, I do. I do go over my notes. I'm reading. I'm staying in the zone. I'm by myself as much as possible. But I sometimes I worry about overthinking it too much, right there, right there, and overstressing. Like for, for example, for my HBO special, it was a one shot thing. It was a 30 minute special, but I did 45 minutes. Mm. And so even then, uh, I forgot a couple of key jokes that I really liked, and I forgot them, and I didn't do them, and I hated myself for that. And even though, even for a few minutes, right before getting on stage, I'm reading through those same jokes that I forgot. So it's almost like an over-planning situation or overthinking it, right? So, like, um, man, I remember I got off stage. So, like, fuck, that, that I, I, you know, like, I specifically wrote that joke for this type of shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, it still happens. Uh, at the end of the day, I just, I just want to be in the zone. I, I need some, a little bit of quiet time, a little me time just to collect my thoughts and then, and then hit that stage. I hate when there's like too much commotion going on in the green room or too much stuff going on. I, 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 I know I like to listen to the audience, listen to what they're laughing at, how loud they're laughing. Are they laughing <laughs> at the, you know, at the comedian in front of me or the opener or whatever. I like, I like to just, I don't really necessarily hear what he's saying. I'm more paying attention to what the audience is doing. You know, yeah. the there. 
I want to unpack two things. So the first is uh, we don't hear about it a lot, but it's a great confidence. Just build up your confidence level approaching these mics. And the other thing I wanted to hit on was after a show, people, you know, you they in their opinion, you're like, hey, you had a good set. You were really funny. And I'm just like, no, fuck, man, I missed like my the one punch that I really wanted to hit, or I missed this tag, and like they're you're upset, but they're like, you know, they they want you to be happy. You had this great set. And yeah, I missed a few tags on my special that I'm really upset about. Um, So yeah, but people don't know that. Yeah, at the end of the day, people don't know that that's another thing i tell young comics especially comics who are doing it for only one or two three years dog the audience doesn't know you've been doing it for one two or three years dog there's no reason for you to even let them know that you hey you guys this is my third time on stage or i've been doing comedy for two years another thing i don't like is when you come new comments is when you guys talk about your day job a lot like fool like people don't need to know that they don't really care if you want to talk about your day job talk about your day job as past tense like i used to work at the store i used to work at not every i don't care if you're currently doing that or i used to uber don't 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 do it because i feel like the 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 audience will lose a little respect for you like they don't see you as a real comedian Mm. when you start talking that you're working at the supermarket oh i'm currently working (laughs) at the supermarket then the audience would be like then why should i listen to you why are you how are you gonna make me laugh you're not even a professional on there or sometimes if if they pay tickets to be there they're expecting professionals that already see, they see anybody who goes up on stage as a professional. I don't know if you remember as an audience member, when we were audience members going to a show, you don't know who's famous and who's not. Like, you know what I mean? You don't know who's done. They bring up everybody with the same credits, right? Comedy Central, Showtime, this and that. You believe that, right? And then he goes up there saying, I was at the supermarket because I, wor- I worked there. And like, really? They just told you that you're for Showtime. They're like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that, uh, yeah, like I said, it's almost like the the, 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 the dumb audience. Audiences are not dumb, dude. They want to – they're going to be more open to you if, if they know it's a professional right there on stage. And it's all about confidence, stage presence. Yeah, talk about your day job, but talk about it, as, again, like as a past tense if, if possible. Yeah. Um, that's a good point because you kind of undercut your credibility, right? There. Undercut credibility, that's a good way to put it. Though. That's kind of the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, those little, little, little cheat things – that'll help you get more laughs, bro, because people will take you more serious. People will take you as a comedian and they don't know you. That was my thing, dog. When I, I when, when I was in there, when I was six months in the game, one year in the game, people didn't know that. People didn't know that I was doing it for six months, fool. Yeah. They just knew that I was funny and that I was making them laugh. And oh, people man. would come up to me after, after shows and be like, hey, bro, you were hilarious, man. We wanted to see more of you. Why were you? Why did you only do seven minutes? In my head, I was like, "That's all I can do." <laughs> but to them, I would tell them. To them, I would be like, "Oh, that's all they gave me, dude. I was just doing a little spot here, or I was just, you know, I'm hanging out tonight, or oh, he was nice enough to let me on. I'm not supposed to be here today." That they, that's all. They're just leaving like, "Whoa, you were fucking hilarious, dog! Holy shit! Where, you know, I want to see you again." But I'm like, please don't for another year because that's how, you know, that you're gonna hear the same shit again. Yeah, really, really smart tips on the on the on the job thing. You know, I, I was I, in my head, I was redlining so many of local comics material and and not even just re- just put it like you said, stash it in the past, make it something yeah. that you did do. And I think because you you were coming into it older, and Drew and I are were even are even older than you were when you started. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we approach it differently and we approach it more, you know, we're able to, we're in a space where we can approach it more professionally. Yeah. And, and you just said, like, just 
go on stage and fake it till you make it kind of deal. You only have seven minutes, but act like, hey, they only gave me seven. I got an hour, you know, for all you know. Uh, Yes. Yes. Trust me. And those, dude, I have fans from my year one, like, we're like, dog, we didn't know you were like, you were starting off at the time. We thought you were like a real fucking comic at the time that we started following you because we thought you were funny. And they've been following me since then. Like, I have a lot of fans like that. Dude, back then there was no Instagram or anything. So I, I had a Facebook. And so, dude, within my first year, I had a thousand fucking people following me, dude. Like, like within a year of me doing five, seven minutes, guest spots, dog, bar shows, who, like, yeah, I was going to Arizona's and Denver's, but I was doing five, seven minutes. And I back then, and I would get off of my Facebook, 20 new followers, 25 new followers. Like, who I'm a nobody, dog. But before I knew it, I had a thousand. 1500 on Facebook, and for me, that was a lot. Like, I could never think of imagine getting to a thousand followers within my first year of comedy. Huh? Well, talking about that, that's so that seems to be such an important piece for comics is, is your social presence, uh, and creating digital content. What did you do to get people? Were you were you sh- uh, sharing jokes there? What were you doing on your social media to get people to follow you, or were you pushing it on stage? Uh, pushing a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. Uh, I would, uh, back in the day before Instagram, I would, I, I'm a, I, I'm an Instagram whore now. I like to, I like Instagram a lot. Uh, it's simple. It's, uh, you know, I just do the stories. If it, I don't feel like putting nothing on my feed. I just put something on my story real quick. Um, but as far as Facebook, yeah, as far as Facebook, I was, I was, I remember I, I was looking back at a lot of my Facebook memories and I was posting a lot of my jokes, corny ass, cheesy ass jokes. I was posting at the time. Right. Yeah. I was doing my 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 fucking Lent jokes and my Fourth of July jokes and my tax this tax season joke and all these dumb jokes for every little fucking time of the year yeah. and uh, but and then I'm posting pictures and funny pictures of me at shows and stuff like that but um, yeah I mean it, it's I think just being a, having a a personal connection with people is just on on, on social media it, it helps a lot too man. <clears throat> Yeah, it's super important for comics these days. I feel like it's it's especially with the pandemic, we were forced to yeah. all become uh, kind of digital content creators to some degree if you wanted to keep doing any comedy. Yeah, I did a lot of it, dog, during the pandemic. I did a lot of it, a lot of it with my kids, a lot of it with my friends. I actually had a really good time. I I did do it more skits than ever in 2020, more shit on uh, like virtually more than in 2020. I got a TikTok and all that shit, dog. So. Uh, and a lot of now I'm kind of phasing down again. I just starts opening up. I'm getting concentrating back on the writing and back on getting on stage. And uh, it shouldn't be that way. That's not. That's not. I should keep it up, fool. Because it was fun. I was getting a lot of engagement. I hit a couple of videos. I hit close to a million views and stuff like that. So I should keep it up. There's something there, dog. Yeah. But uh, I always don't, man. I I I do tend to concentrate more on the stand up side of the business. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, you should definitely keep it up because that's yeah. it's crazy. The we had a we had a local comic um who has done really well on TikTok and it actually got him uh, a feature spot or an opening spot with Russell Peters. Yeah. Uh, Russell Peters saw that TikTok or one of his people did and he reached out and it's crazy the connections that, that even uh, local comics are making yeah. when they, when these videos and TikToks and stuff kind of pop off. Yeah. Now yeah, there's definitely something there, man. Well, let's uh, let's move into the clip. So uh, set us up for this. This is obviously or this was in Houston. This is the Can't Deport Us All with, with Chingo Bling. Uh, what was going on that day, that 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 room? Anything you remember specifically? Well, about we, that? well we, first of all, we were there a whole week. Doc. So we were there. Uh, we got there. We shot that. I believe that was a Thursday night. But we were there from Sunday through Friday. 
or Sunday through Saturday because not only did we do the special, that we shoot the special on Thursday, two shows, but uh, we did sketches, skits in between yeah. every comic. So, so every day we shot, it was an actual production, bro, like at a studio and, and on on location and they closed on the streets. It was, it was a pretty big budget thing, man. And uh, we had costume designers, we have whole grips, camera crew, everything. We had a crane on one of the things. When we were doing the opening uh, credit scene, we we're getting chased in a truck. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole crane behind us following us, dog. So it was pretty dope, fool. And so it was a whole production, a whole week uh, of it. And we did uh, we did rehearsals the night before and got there to the theater early, bro. We had different wardrobes they had to uh, they had to okay and approve for us to wear. Man, it was it was crazy, man. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, just fun, exciting time. I was just soaking it all in. This was in 20. We shot that in early, uh, January of 20. You know, when we shot, you know, when we shot that special, the actual day. No, no, that wasn't that. It was the day before the day that Trump got uh inaugurated. Oh, wow. So, whenever that was, that was 20 January 2017. Or something like that. Yeah, right. so it was like January 20th. Uh, he got inaugurated like on a Tuesday, and then we recorded like a, we we did that like on Thursday. Yeah, I remember we were really, really deflated during that time, and we we're yeah. all of us really upset and un, yeah. just in shock still. Um, but yeah, that week of the inauguration, we were there. We were watching on, the, on our in our hotel rooms and shit and then we were but you know shooting the special really took our minds off of it so we recorded so we filmed it january 2017 and it released in june of 2017 i mean yeah six months later nice. it dropped on netflix and yeah. uh in fact it was one of those things where like man i was actually losing a little bit of hope because they told it was gonna be uh, and first of all it's gonna be for cinco de mayo they said oh it's gonna it's gonna premiere cinco de mayo weekend we're like cool Cinco de Mayo came and then it didn't drop. And I'm like, oh my God, no, this is not happening. And so, uh, and I, well, obviously we're hitting up Chingo and Chingo was going on and he had no idea what was going on. I don't know, man, it was supposed to drop in May, nothing. There's now they're saying June, maybe July. And we got, it's not going to happen. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, sure enough, June 1st, it dropped and uh, it was, it was a very special time, man. Very special. It was, it was great, man. Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and roll the clip. I got two boys, man. Two boys. Five and six, man. Two little beaners. Two little brown guys. <laughs> Five and six, dog. Five and six. One darker than the other one. Huh? One looks like 9 p.m. Those like 11 p.m., dog. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, I love being a dad, man. I love, I love being a father, dude. Especially when it's not my weekend. Like, that's the best time. Right? I love missing them. <laughs> Wondering what they're doing. It's the kids, man. It's the kids, huh? Because I got boys, dog. The question will come up, right, fellas? The question comes up like, hey, so what are you going to do if one of your kids grows up to be gay? I'm going to love my son, dog. I'm going to support him no matter what. Now his boyfriend? Fuck that puto, da. That's a different story, eh? That fool better not come around the house honking and shit. 
This fool better get up and ring the doorbell like a true gentleman, doc. Because Danny didn't raise a whore, is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm gonna have my son on birth control pills, dick. Come on. And they say, how do you know he's gonna be the taker, dick? I'm like, dick, look at me, fool. He's gonna be the taker, doc. It's in the jeans, fool. The skinny jeans. Kids, dog. It's the kids, fool. Right? Fathers, I don't think we get enough uh, appreciation for what we do, dog. We do a lot, right? For Father's Day, though, I don't know why we bother with this holiday, dog. Father's Day is nowhere near Mother's Day, fool. Right? For Mother's Day, we go all out, dog. We go hard on Mother's Day. And you deserve it, ladies. I love my mom to death. We go hard, fool. Right? On Mother's Day, we get you guys the flowers, right? The jewelry. The presents, the dinners, the mariachis if you're balling, right? That's what do we get on Father's Day, though? No, you know what we get? You know what we get? We get a barbecue that we have to cook for. You know what I got? You know what I got on Father's Day? I got my kids on Father's Day, though. You don't get it, it wasn't my weekend, dick. I have plans, dog. Somebody said tie. Yeah, I got a tie, dick. I got a tie. I don't wear ties, fool. Last time I wore a tie, it was for court, and I lost. My child support went up, dick. But you gotta love the kids. You have to love the kids, dog. That's what the judge told me. <laughs> we do what we can, dog. We do it all for the kids. We do it all for them. Right? I took them, I took them to Chuck E. Cheese, dog. Chuck E. Cheese. You been to this fucking place, dog? Chuck E. Cheese is like a casino for kids, dog. Right? That's their Vegas, fool. Right, like they go in there, ready to party, ready to have a good time. One of my kids got naked, dog. The fat one at the buffet, fool. Right? And just like us in Vegas, just like us in Vegas, they think, dog, they think they're gonna hit it big, right? They think. Oh, yeah, they think they're gonna win the biggest prizes in there, right? They want the mountain bike, right? That's up high that no one's touching the 80s and shit. Right? Like it still has an E.T. basket in front of it. And why? Because it's worth two billion tickets and shit. But that's what they're shooting for, right? That's what they want. Right? And just like us in Vegas, right? They become like little fiends, right? They're like, just like every five minutes, like, come on, dad. Just five more bucks, Dad. Come on, Dad. The machines are hot. Right? The slots are loose. 
I'm like, that's not our loot. Where'd you learn that, man? And where'd you get the cigarette, dude? Oh, man. Very good stuff, Jerry. Uh, one of the things I noticed with your comedy overall is, and something that I want to get better at, you want to get better at crowd work, well, me too, but uh, the one thing I want to get better at is misdirects, and your misdirects are so solid. Uh, you find a way to get to the things we're not expecting, and yeah. uh, I think you do a masterful job with that. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. That's my favorite part of comedy is the misdirection, dog. Uh, even the simplest joke can become 10 times funnier when they don't know it's coming, right? Even when it's a simple punchline, dog. Uh, which I obviously I try and stay away from, but sometimes there's no go away, going around it. Uh, it's just it's just a simple here you go joke, right? Um, so yeah, it's like the misdirection is, is key, dog. And I do tell a lot of comics, man. If, 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 I don't know exactly the formula how to I always tell you how to do it, but just I always tell people disguise your 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 punchline as much as can. So when I when a comic asks me for advice and I watch him. And I kind of, I already know where it's going. I know where you're going with this. I see where it's going. Here it comes. There it is. Right. So then I tell that guy, fool, I knew you where you're going with your, with that joke, bro. At the car, blah, 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 this and that. I knew you were going to go to your car sucks. I knew that's where your car was going. That joke was going. Okay. He, I'm not telling you to lose a joke. The joke is fine. The punchline is fine. Just hide it from us more, dog. Hide it from us. Give us a little. This and that. What exactly? I'll give them like little taglines, maybe depending on the joke. I can't think of a specific joke right now, but I've had this conversation many times with comics because uh, they'll ask me the same thing. Like, how do you do that? Like, I didn't know you were going there, like kind of thing. How did you do that? The, the I think you the way you do it, the way and this and this clips a, a great uh, great evidence of that is uh, the in the setup. So with your with your son being gay, you you felt them all tighten up. They're like, ooh, like, but then you you're like, you know, I'm cool with that. That and that, yeah. now you're taking you're on the right side of that. Yeah. And then you're like, but this other gay kid who's yeah. you know, now, now you're, yeah now you but you're but you've you've made the analogy like he's like just like we what the norm is that it's the girl it's the girl or the or the boy uh, that your girl's dating and now you're safe to play in that space and yeah. uh, and so it's in the setup that allows you to I think disguise some of those things and mm-hmm. and hit harder. Yeah, it is in the setup, of course. It is in the setup. As you get to the punch, I just disguise it more, man. Um, but then at the, sometimes also what works is like you kind of tell what people are thinking, right? Like it's okay. It, it, you know, it's if it's on me, if it's my family, I'm going to. But if it's somebody else's family, I don't give a fuck about that other family kind of shit, right? So yeah. I don't know. But I yeah, there's definitely. You took it all the way to those like, dating stereotypes because <clears throat> I think that we, everyone kind of expects you to stop with. You know, it's it's pretty common. You hear different people say like, "Oh, if my kid was gay, I would support him," and that's kind of the yeah. end of the conversation. And yes. you found a way to yeah. keep pushing deeper and further into yeah. the stereotypes of dating that no one, there's no way you could have guessed that you were going to go that far down that road. That's just that's just so fun. Yeah, yeah, and it starts with like my like tag like those are some of my first jokes like uh uh. Before I, mean, I wrote that joke before I even had kids, dog. So that joke was like, like what I would say that joke, but when I first started, it was like, uh, I think my wife was pregnant. I was married. My wife was pregnant, and they're like, "What do you have? What are you gonna do if your kid turns out to be gay?" And that was, I mean, so that's how old that joke was. My my son is ten years old at the time, or something. Now, so I was like, "That's a ten year old joke right there." Yeah. I finally made it on on TV. You, 
you also do analogies very well. Uh, so, so that, that, you know, the, the analogy of the dating, uh, then, then, you know, uh, women for mother's day, get this, this, and this, and then dads get this. And there's the punch, uh, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, obviously to, uh, as compares to a casino is brilliant. And so, uh, where, how are you making those connections? Where are you finding those connections? Uh, are you seeking them or they seek you? I, I think at the end of the day, it's things that bother me, bro, because these are all things I've said out loud with family, with friends. It's simple as that, fool. Simple as that. I remember being at a Mother's Day celebration, uh, celebrating my baby's mama when we were still together. And we made this whole thing for her. Like, it was like we literally got her a mariachi to come in because it was for her mom and for my and for my wife at the time. It was my wife and her mom. We got her a mariachi. We got her this. We, we catered this expensive-ass fucking food dog. All for Mother's Day, right? It was like a sting. And I remember for Father's Day, we literally didn't do shit. We like the day before, we're like, "Hey, so what are we doing? What are we doing tomorrow?" And my my wife at the time was like, "You should go buy some meat. You should go get some meat for us to grill." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so I mean, these are things that would bother me, and I, uh, that's and that's where that comes from. Being in in Chuck E. Cheese with the kids again, it was like these motherfuckers don't want to leave. They're addicted, bro. Like they're gambling their asses off. I'm here in the booth and the table. I'm ready to go, dog. But they're they're not. Fool. They're begging me like little crack kids, you know. Like, please, five more minutes. Please, five more dollars. Please, I'm almost there. I'm this close, and this close to winning something. Which that's how many, that's how high a stack of tickets need to be, dog, to, to get something. So it was a lot of that. So it's just like it's all real life shit, dog. Everything I talk about is real life shit. Like, even with my kids, that's one of my first jokes I wrote about my kids when they were babies. Uh, now I got three. I got a little six-year-old, but I got two older ones, 13 and 14. When they were baby, when they were three and four, one was – one of his – like, his mom's side, super white-looking kid. He's white as fuck. I even kind of didn't know if he was mine. And then the other one is dark as shit. He looks just like me. So, um, so it, was like, it was like night and day. So at first it was night and day. But then it became closer and closer, right? So I I made it into a nine o'clock, eleven o'clock <laughs> situation. Yeah. Um, everything is everything is everything's real, bro. Like as close to real as possible, right? I exaggerate it. I I love to vent. I love to vent. I love to talk shit, but I'm not gonna do nothing about it. So all I do is vent, fool. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I totally uh, I love writing stuff that has a, a more than just a nugget of truth. Like I like to write yeah. stuff that has a lot of truth to it because it just feels honest. It feels like no one can rip it off. It feels like this is my story and and it's personal to me. And it's a way to write unique comedy and, and kind of make it. Um, yeah, just a, I think just a little different from other people's material because it's so personal and real really happened. Yeah. But what I will say is that when you when you're writing when when you're writing jokes kind of like like my genre is about like venting and complaining and stuff like that, you have to be careful not to be a downer and not to be a bitter motherfucker on stage either, bro. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you still want to make people laugh. Yeah. So you have to make it as friendly as cool as possible. Um. Yeah. It's like. It's what it's one way to be bitter and salty, and there's another thing to be just vent, vent and complain at funny situations, right? It, it's all yeah. you got to be careful because there's a lot of comedians who go up there like f and this, I hate that. Don't you notice these guys are assholes and blah blah blah? And it's like, bro, that's not that's not what the bit is. That's not the joke. You're, you're just talking shit now, fool. The, yeah, at the end of the day, you still have to make everybody laugh. I'm complaining and that's special about being a father. 
you know, about getting the short end of the stick. I'm complaining, but I'm not talking down on anybody or anything. Dog. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still trying to make everyone laugh. Make any sense? Yeah. Also, like, when, yeah, some comics, there's there's a couple that come to mind um, and their whole act is so negative. Like they never yeah. break. They never change yeah. it up. You can, It can kind of feel like if I, you know, if I'm listening to someone do 20, 30, 45 minutes and they're just angry the entire yeah. time. It's funny for the first five minutes. Yeah, it kind of gets That's exhausting to, yeah. as an audience member. You get burnt out on that yep. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to transition into our last segment. Uh, bear with us for a quick graphic, Jerry. It's, it's a little morbid. Uh. I'm sorry. Okay. So, all right. So it's called last laugh and this is the, the joke to be remembered by it could be your joke. Uh, somebody else's joke that you respect. Uh, but what is the joke that you're going to put on your tombstone? Well my, well, my career started taking off when I started talking about my kids and being a single father. I think that's when my career started taking off the most. And I did, I really found myself on stage. So my favorite joke has always been, like, it's not my weekend. I love being a father, especially when it's not my weekend. Yeah. So maybe when I'm at Tombstone, going to be like, this man loved being a father, especially when it wasn't his weekend. Uh, <laughs> it's really that, dude. It's one of those things where it was, like, it, was fun, it was a funny guilt situation where like I found myself enjoying missing my kids if that made any sense right so yeah. like was it my weekend i woke up that saturday morning like fuck today's gonna be a good day like <laughs> sorry kids but today's gonna be a good one i feel it i feel i feel this weekend is gonna mean something good and so that's how that joke came about and uh it doesn't make me love my kids any less but man not having them around was a pretty pretty sweet deal too you know there's a joke where I talk, there's a new joke where i'm talking on stage where i wrote about how i'm arguing with my with my uh with my attorney because he got me fifty percent right custody and I'm like bro I don't want fifty percent I, I want every other weekend like my friends you know that what what am I paying you for Don? No. yeah uh, well speaking of not not my weekend you you do actively have a podcast it's not my weekend uh, which is great uh, a lot of stuff about the kids and all that right. Uh, Anything else you want to you want to share where people can find you uh, dates or anything you want to want to get in here? Uh, uh, Instagram is the best way, dog. Uh, Instagram comedian Jerry G. I'm very active there. Obviously, I'm on TikTok now, so I I'll be posting some stuff on TikTok. Uh, I'm on Pandora, Spotify, iTunes for my special. The special you can find it on on, on uh, all that shit, all the platforms, bro. Uh, Spotify's and the Pandoras and the Sirius XMs and all that stuff, man. It's Raw Dog Comedy Channel. All that it'll pop up. Uh, just search for me, dude. Comedian Jerry G on Instagram. Jerry, thanks again for your time today, man. Thanks for hanging out with us and sharing a little bit about your writing and your career. It's been it's been really awesome. We hope to see you in Houston soon. Yeah, thank you, Fool. I'll, I'll be out there soon, man. Uh, yeah, I'm coming out to Pasadena, Texas in May. And uh, other than that, I'll be, I'll be back in Phoenix, Arizona later in April. But let me see if I can find a real quick. Uh, I believe it was the last weekend in May. Yeah, we... 28th and 29th, I'll be in Pasadena, Texas, May, May 28th, 29th. There you go. Houston people, make sure you get out there and support Jerry Garcia in Pasadena, end of May. Uh, really funny guy. Thanks again for the time. Thank you guys for having a good one, man. Appreciate Thanks for it. Care, no problem.
Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.